0: The Guardian.
1: I'm Jonathan Friedland and this is the Week in Review, the Guardian podcast, looking back on seven days of what was, what could have been and what might still become. Coming up, the week in Westminster's dominated by disagreement over bankers' bonuses, again, while Hollywood gives us a glimpse of politics past, with Meryl Streep's turn as Mrs. T.
2: Yes, I hope to go on and on.
1: And finally, we ask, is Hello Magazine to blame for cranking up the cost of the average wedding to £20,000? This is the Week in Review from The Guardian. Now, it may only be February, but this week Prince Philip was handed the prestigious accolade of 2011's Oldie of the Year. It's an award that the bright young things joining me here in the studio can only dream of. Sam Delaney is the former editor of Heat magazine. Welcome, Sam. Hi. Miranda Sawyer and Richard Williams are both columnists here at The Guardian. Good to have you all here. So a highlight of the week from each of you. We'll start with you, Miranda.
0: Um, it's not really a highlight. It's a kind of scary uh, Piece of information, which is that each person, apparently, according to the Daily Mail, so it must be true, is inundated with 174 newspapers' worth of information every day via telly, emails, and posts. I mean, obviously, you don't kind of have to read it, but that's how much you're getting, which works out as apparently two quadrillion megabytes of information which is two <laughs> plus 21 zeros a quadrillion is a real number I yeah quadri- it no no no. is that bigger or
1: smaller than a squillion uh, th- i don't know that you know
0: i don't know you'd have to ask a five-year-old for that but like i, I kind of i felt the, the the reason why i always feel harried was explained
3: we are we are info overwhelmed sam a highlight from you oh i like this story at the beginning of the week um about plans to confiscate uh misbehaving teenagers ipods i was a fan of that story because the, um, it was the confused I like the way that this government are uh, all kind of so old fashioned you know in the language they use and how they've reformed education so we all have to learn like lists of kings and queens and and, and it just continued because they said we'll take away their iPods and also the quote said we'll take away their personal stereos oh. and also their bling <laughs> right, and I was thinking, what, what else? They're spinning tops, they're frog in a box, they're stick, and indeed they're hoop. It was absolutely brilliant how mi- misconceived the whole announcement was. They're slightly that. headmaster in
2: jeans, isn't
1: it? Yeah, when they start talking about is. iPods. Yeah, don't not-
3: maybe take away the bling now. I know you treasure it, <laughs> Richard. What's been uh, caught your eye this week? Oh
2: well, the highlight of my week was going to Copenhagen, where England played against Denmark. A very, quite a nice, low-key, rather civilized event. Not too much in the way of expectations. Uh, England managed to win, but just to keep things in portion, by far, easily, the best player on the pitch was an 18-year-old Dane.
1: Okay, so that's heartening. Now, until President Mubarak's will-he-won't-he act at the end of the week, it was those nasty British bankers who dominated the news. Chancellor George Osborne's much-heralded Project Merlin was meant to be the moment when government rhetoric about getting tough on the banks was finally backed up with decisive action. But far from curbing those excessive bonuses and getting the banks lending to businesses again, the critics are seeing Project Merlin as little more than political hocus-pocus. Now, our Politics Weekly podcast is the place to go if you want to hear about the Westminster fallout from all of this, but we're going to take a broader look. Miranda, let's uh, just start with you. It is probably fair to say that bankers are now right up there with journalists and estate agents as just loathed I'm people. i <laughs> <laughs> You'd hope so, wouldn't you, as the most loathed people. Um, it is odd that we are – it is now coming for three years since the financial crisis and still we seem to be bashing um, the But bankers. it's completely
0: understandable because everybody's suffering. So if, you, if you're sitting around thinking, okay, well, I can't afford this and you know the, these expenses have got higher, childcare has got higher and I, and I work harder for less money, of course you're going to look around and say, okay, who did this? It was the bankers, and they're a OK. So it's not—it's no surprise to me. What I always find surprising about bankers and people who earn absolutely loads of money, quadrillions. Is, even I mean quadrillions, but I mean. I just genuinely wonder what they spend it on. That's what I really mm. wonder. I mean, you know, they must have pensions already sorted out. What do you spend it on? That's what I find. Well, we're really here kind in London. You just go
1: to, and we're going to do house prices again for a fourth week running. Um, but you know, there are parts of London now that are priced in some astronomical way, out, you know, Kensington, out of reach of everybody else in the rest of the country. And that's there, isn't yeah, it?
0: Yeah, but presumably they but they they earn enough to buy those houses, and then and then what? I mean, you'd have to have a real you know a string of very expensive mistresses and a terrible kind of you know. At, Anti-social drug habit to keep these to keep these <laughs> kind of to actually spend the money. That's I what heard I find with a hedge
3: fund manager who had a birthday party and inside his house he had a swimming pool. And as part of the entertainment, uh, as well as loads of other things, he had synchronized swimmers performing to disco music throughout the party <laughs> in a swimming pool so that is okay, the answer well, no to your question. Like <laughs> <laughs> you become so insanely rich, you think, for my birthday, I'm going to get some synchronised swimming, And it's sort of
1: Beyonce will sing as a sort of yeah. finale. You know. But what about the, um, when are we going to be happy or satisfied? When do we get closure, your word, Richard? When, do we need to see them in, in the stocks? Do we need to see bankers
2: being flogged in public? When are we going to get this out of our system? Well, I keep reading books that keep bringing it all back. You know, I've just read Michael Lewis's mm. book, The Big Short, which which tells you, how they did it, uh, and Tony Judd's book, Ill Fares the Land, which is the most depressing book I think I've ever read in my life. Mm-hmm. It just says, you know, the last 30 years we've spent burning all the advances that we, that we made in the 30 years before that, after the war, when people believed that it was good to pay taxes, you know, for the, for the public good, that, to, to have things that would that would be good for us and that we would pay for them and that would be fine. And the last 30 years, that you know, that, that's just been destroyed bit by bit by that's bit. social and, democratic yeah. ideals has been taught- that's yeah, one of the, completely, that's the and odd. this is you know the, 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 this is what, where we are now. Thanks to the bankers and you know the hedgies and all those people, is is the, but emo- the almost, almost
1: that. in terms of collective emotion, what do we need to happen to these bankers to feel as if we somehow they've they've paid we need for them what to they pay
0: they did. their taxes? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, would,
2: that would be a start if 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 you know, a proper tax regime w- w- was enforced on, on people with lots and lots and lots of money.
3: Well, they've had their the levies increased this week, but they've also been allowed back their bonuses, haven't they? And, but I think that if we, they're, they're thinking that that will encourage them to start lending small businesses and homebuyers money again, will that make a difference? Extremely unlikely. If suddenly your banker is willing to give you a mortgage, I don't think that's suddenly going to say, oh, fair play to the bankers, they've got their bonuses, but at least they're giving me a mortgage. And therefore they deserve their £3 billion a week. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, last, last last week slightly
0: different people as well. The people who are lending your mortgage are just kind of normal workers, aren't they? They're not the gamblers, they're just the people who work in the banks and then that's that's kind of part well, of the except problem except though really. there's the
1: thing there's the two sides casino banking merged. and high yeah. street what somebody described to me as captain mannering banking remember he was the bank manager yeah. yeah. in doesn't those two are fused together but last week we talked uh, here about the squillions of pounds rather than quadrillions, spent on footballers and their uh, and their wages and uh, you know the arguments about that do you think we can compare those to the feelings we have about those two uh, bankers bonuses richard <laughs> williams you fo- follow footballers all the time i mean how do we feel about both
2: not really i mean i think that i think I think the prosperity of football at the moment is completely immoderate and ludicrous. However, it is tied to some kind of value system uh, whereby somebody... Rupert Murdoch, you know, is using football to make a lot of money. Therefore, there is a lot of money in football. Therefore, the people who do the football, the players, should be getting some of the rewards. That is, There's I There's a guess, kind
1: of I logic. Reasonable.
3: Yes, I mean, it's still ludicrous. And I somebody. suppose
2: also Sam, the point is they don't get taxpayers' money, do
1: they? They don't get bailouts. You know, Man United didn't get a bailout from the no, taxpayer the way the banks did.
3: No, absolutely. But the other thing is, is that we see them. We know who they are. We see how they spend their money, footballers. Bankers, shadowy figures. They look boring. They're not doing anything excessive or entertaining with the money that they earn that we can see and take pleasure in watching them making fools of themselves, like we do with footballers. You know? See,
1: I think the facelessness might be a big part
3: of this. Yeah, because yeah
0: I mean, if they let us in to look at the yeah. synchronized swimmers, then we might become it? endeared. Going, okay,
3: them. this is it's like P Diddy. Yeah. Is that that? That's how <laughs> presumably these bankers are living, yeah. and I want to see it in action. But yeah, you know, if um, you did
0: a reality show about it, then we yeah. might like
1: them. Who did we have as hate figures before bankers? I mean, t- you know, you've Richard about 10, 20, 30 years ago. Who were the people in society with the equivalent
2: figures? Politicians, yep. possibly, um, although I'm not sure they... Attracted the kind of loathing that, that that's being aimed at bankers. At Somebody was suggesting that in the seventies
1: uh, it was trade union bosses who were constantly yes, demonised on yes. the front pages of newspapers. The difference there goes back to your point, Sam, about facelessness. There was a general secretary yeah. in front of you. There is no general secretary of the National Union of Bankers who we can no. direct our energy. Do you think that's partly why we've got this sort of? I think up
3: yeah. Movement? And there's the censor. And of course, the story this week about you know all of Conservative Party's funding coming from these kind of faceless, absurdly rich. Uh, bankers which you know there's parallels to the Labour government in the 70s and the, but the difference is like you say is you would see the angry trade unionist on the telly and then at least there they, they would be a face to the sort of horror of it all you know Here's the thing around I don't get
1: what, how come they seem impervious to public loathing I mean everyone says this sort of thing we talk about it Because they and think they yeah, anyone on.
0: who's kind of generally loathed I mean this goes from a pop star to, a, to a, a politician who just goes oh they're just jealous they're jealous of me I'm really great and also because mm. they hang around with bankers so you know I mean, Polly Toynbee did that great feature where she spoke to bankers and asked them what they thought the average wage was. <laughs> and, and it, you know, they, they kind of genuinely, they genuinely thought it was about 50, maybe 60, 80 grand a year. And they yes. had no idea.
3: And it turned out to be just in the very low 20s. Yeah, of the they year. just had no idea. idea. It's like, it's just, you, you're, it normalises your own conduct and your own circumstances. if Everyone in your own circle is in exactly the same situation. Plus, I'm sure they convinced themselves that they are actually the wealth creators. Yeah. And what they do has a trickle-down effect. And that's what the whole system has been... Or do on. they
1: persuade themselves that they are like footballers in the sense of a unique Wayne Rooney-type talent that only one in a t- ten million people would have? Do you think they think yes, that I way about that? Themselves?
2: And I do think you're absolutely right that they believe that what they're doing trickles down, and you know, some of it does. If you happen to be a, a, a person who screws Aston Martins together, you know, then probably if there weren't people on this kind of money, or you wouldn't have a job. Swimmer. But it's rather it's rather a small a small number. Yes, yeah, somebody
1: said this week that's why they call it trickle down. It <laughs> yeah, trickles. Yeah, yeah. It's not <laughs> yeah. flood down. Yeah economics. All right, we'll leave that there. For more on banks, bonuses and other things beginning with B, head to guardian.co.uk slash business.
0: The Week in Review with Jonathan Friedland.
1: Now, I'd like you all to charge your glasses and be upstanding. Here comes our second Windsor reference of the show. Lest we forget, we're now just a few months away from the royal wedding. Woo and indeed who? And if you like a hearty muzzle tov too, we're promised Will's and Kate's do will be a modest affair in keeping with the times. But still, it'll probably cost rather more than the 20,000, yes, you heard right, £20,000 that people are currently spending, on average, for their big day. This week, the Work and Pension Secretary, Ian Duncan-Smith, said that the pressure to have extravagant Hello! magazine-style weddings was undermining society and even the principle of marriage itself. IDS, that incorrigible old romantic, also announced that the term marital status would be returning to official government forms. More on that in a moment. First, Sam, let's start uh, with you. You spent the last year or so entrenched in the world of celebrity culture editing Heat magazine. Does IDS have a point that we've actually become obsessed watching all these celebrity, particularly weddings, we've become obsessed with a culture and a lifestyle that most of us can never have?
3: I think there is a level of obsession amongst some people, a small group of people, Uh, in that sort of thing, but I disagree with him that it's undermining uh, marriage uh, as an institution. In fact, I would say it's having the opposite effect. I think that marriage had been in decline for decades, for generations, and I think that this kind of uh, popularity in magazines like Hello and OK covering, covering uh, these lavish celebrity weddings have got people interested in getting married again. Couples who would otherwise be quite happy to cohabit because that's a normal thing that perhaps even their parents and grandparents did. It's become so normal in society. Suddenly it's reintroduced a generation of people to the idea of having a wedding just for the sake of having fun, you know? And, and I think that probably there's a lot of people getting married as a result of this who wouldn't otherwise. And ultimately in Duncan Smith, Endorses marriage in whatever form it takes. He loves marriage, doesn't he? So yeah, who M- is he M- to M- say how Miranda, we celebrate I remember
1: you—you're one of the few people I know who's interviewed Jordan, yes. and um, you know <laughs> she's well. a serial marrier. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, do you buy what Sam's saying that actually people see her with Peter Andre or whoever it is this week getting married and think, yeah, I'll do that?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I think what's interesting is the fact that that, that uh, Will's and and Kate decided they're going to do a sober type wedding, and I think you're absolutely wrong. Look at the popularity of big fat gypsy weddings. I mean, people. Love that show. I love that show. it got huge and one ratings, of the, didn't it? It's one got one huge ratings, and one of the ma- major reasons is because of the way that people dress and how ludicrously they conduct their weddings. The last one I saw, was, it was great, they, especially because it was actually done very close to my house. I felt slightly proud. But they, um, <laughs> their, their uh, rings were delivered by Owl. So they were outside, <laughs> sitting on two thrones, and the ring came down it's by so owl. It was right. absolutely brilliant. I had, I had brilliant. never
1: heard of the owl thing, but apparently <laughs> Wes Brown um, of Manchester United had a ceremony in a castle and did indeed have a barn owl swoop down with the rings in a leather pouch. <laughs> yeah, that's what they did. Which this is, is exactly. just fantastic. I mean, we are, Richard, back on <laughs> your lot, <laughs> I'm afraid. We're right. back on footballers, posh and beck to the, the thrones, <laughs> the, throne, the yeah, member yeah, of the thrones, horse yeah, yeah. drawn carriages, yeah. Ashley and Cheryl Cole doing that whole thing in white. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you know, footballers, again, responsible a bit Yes,
2: well, I... I Perhaps they perhaps they take their cue from the royals rather than the other way round. I think don't you? I think well, maybe, royals of maybe, the sort of fifteenth century, perhaps yeah, with, maybe, the, with the maybe, pumpkin maybe, maybe maybe Charles and die and uh, oh yeah. And Andy and uh, whatever her name oh, okay. was, perhaps they uh, yeah, perhaps they set the tone for the Premier League. Maybe. Because they are the new royalty mm. celebrities. But don't you think yeah.
0: it's also... I mean, what's interesting is the difference between marriage and a wedding. I mean, that's what he doesn't... It, IDS. is an awful way to describe something? Anyway, IDS. So it doesn't distinguish between... It's very different. A wedding is a wedding. It's a big knees up. It's fantastic. It's a... You know, there's bits you cry and bits of the fight in the corner. You know, it's <laughs> absolutely brilliant. But then uh, marriage is completely different. And that's what he doesn't acknowledge. Marriage is essentially the same as cohabiting, you get on with it, and the, the wedding is the kind of, you know, the big balloons popping. I part mean, of
1: it. Sam, it's interesting. This the, the, there is something quite back to basics and family values-ish about the way IDS cast this. I mean, are we surprised to hear that? Given that big part of David Cameron and the modernisers was that we're going to get put that side of tourism and conservatism behind them.
3: Yeah, and also just yeah, just not be involved in people's lives as much as you know the previous government. The most impressive thing about David Cameron's government is that and especially David Cameron himself is that he's quite he, by, almost by his own admission quite lazy <laughs> he doesn't get involved in everything. In fact, even Alistair Campbell said this, that's his strength as a prime minister. He doesn't feel the need to comment on everything and he's very often keen to, or happy to just say, I don't know, I don't have an opinion on that. Yeah. I'm quite impressed by that, that he's just happy to be laid back about the whole thing. But this cuts against thing. that, doesn't that it? That really cuts against that. But of course, yeah, IDS has been banging on about you know, getting, getting right up in people's lives for you know, about 10 years since he was leader now. But
2: ex- expecting the Tories not to be you know, for family values and so on, is, that, is it like expecting them not to lend a friendlier to bankers? you know that's yeah. that's yeah. what they're there for it, just they comes with, it comes in with <laughs> the grain i mean you, you present the family podcast yeah. on the
1: guardian website miranda i mean the there are all sorts of st- uh, studies and statistics all the time about marriage and making people healthier and happier particularly good for men apparently yeah. i mean yeah. is this one of these chicken and egg things where it's actually healthier and happier people who are getting married rather than that marriage is making them healthier and happier?
0: yeah i would absolutely assume that i mean it tends to me that the fact that you are getting married means that you want to tell people that you're going to be together i mean that so you're making a kind of public declaration of the fact that you are together. I find it slightly disappointing that we, that straight people can't uh, have a civil partnership. That's what I would really. I, I mean, I am married and and you know happily married. But I did find it slightly frustrating that I couldn't have a civil partnership. What's that you the
1: difference for you? What for would me, it, what would it have been the
0: it, Well, it's a kind of modern ceremony. So you come in as kind of equal partners, and you make an equal. Uh, commitment to each other where there's marriage still for me has a kind of you know you're handing over your the your daughter to the next to the next man who will look after her and and there's a kind of slight religious connotations as well and it's interesting that in france where they where straight people can have a civil ceremony a civil partnership ceremony actually marriage is in decline and most modern couples go for a kind of civil partnership which gives the same legal rights but doesn't have the, that kind of ancient um anti-feminist kind of uh, feel around it i think
1: that's interesting. One of the leaders you'd think in that debate would be Ed Miliband, who is not married and says he refuses to get married for political reasons. He won't do it for political reasons. Um Sam Delaney, I know you've got a bit of a, a history with Ed Miliband, which you perhaps might tell us about, but do you think he's going to have to eventually get married if he really wants to make it to number 10
3: well if he's made a statement saying that he won't for political reasons then it's absolutely unthinkable that he would climb down on that now that would be politically the worst thing he could do um you know whether or not he has a bearing on getting to number 10 i doubt it but i'd be extremely surprised if he was bullied into it by someone like ids
1: Uh, so tell us about your own connection with him
3: with Ed Miliband, well, very. we uh, are yeah. <laughs> in a civil partnership. Um, <laughs> okay. it's, it's very fair and caring. <laughs> yeah, I used to work with Ed Miliband when uh, I was like a tea boy for Harriet Harman, and he was a more senior figure, but still quite young himself. He was getting the coffee. He was getting the coffee, he was allowed to use the percolator and cafetiere, whereas I was only, I was very much just on the PG tips kind of end of things. So you worked alongside him. Did you early on think, yep, that guy's going to go all the way? Well, I, you know, I, I wasn't there for a long time. and He was the, the most senior researcher, and I remember the day when we found out his age, and myself and another kind of snot-nosed, far less intelligent <laughs> young, young whippersnapper who had been working there. And, and Ed Miliband joined from one of the um, Sunday television political programmes where he'd been a researcher, and he... Uh, And he came in and he was really charming. Everyone, you know, he's the sort of guy that we all kind of wanted to hate because it was all like, Ed Miliband's coming, Ed Miliband's coming. It was a really big deal. And Gordon Brown and everyone knew that Ed Miliband was joining the team. So we really wanted to hate this guy because everyone was so nice. But he was impossible to hate. He was charming. Everyone really loved him and he was really nice and down to earth. And then we found out that he was only like a year or two older than us as well. And he came in like wearing a suit. And I, you know, I was like 18 or 19 at the time. I'd be wearing like kind of trainers shuffling around the commons, <laughs> miserable with my Walkman on. and uh, personal My personal stereo on. And uh, this guy turned up in a smart suit and, you know, would speak very like sort of authoritatively to Gordon Brown and Tony. they were in mm. opposition at the time the Labour Party. It was like, in, like the early 90s. And you'd be absolutely wowed by this guy who was so kind of charming and everyone respected. And then I found out he's like a couple of years old and everyone was very depressed myself and the other young researchers were very depressed that he was uh, so alarmingly talented. Well, Ed speaks equally highly of you, I <laughs> yeah, must tell you. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, He was ed- very jealous of my time at Heat. <laughs> <laughs> I think he'd be
1: a really bad editor of Heat. I was about to pretend that you'd be any good. And Richard, what do you think? I mean, do you think voters are going to think yeah, he's got to be married, this guy? I, I don't... I to him I, as if a there
2: fundraiser. are ten people in this country who would base their decision on, on whether ed Miliband would make a, a good Prime Minister on, on whether he's married to, to his partner, I'd be astonished. Really? really? I think true. you're going to say, really
1: then, I, I would go out and shoot each one of those (laughs) 10 no you'd be astonished all right we'll leave all that talk of marriage there there's more on this in the life and style section of our website and if you fancy listening to our focus podcast all about divorce prenups and family law how romantic it is valentine's weekend after all head to guardian.co.uk audio Now, you could be forgiven for thinking you'd been transported back 25 years this week when every newspaper front page carried the photo of a fierce-looking woman of a certain age with an icy stare and a magnificent hairdo. There will only ever be one Margaret Thatcher. Relief floods into the room. But Meryl Streep, who will be playing the Iron Lady in a new film coming out later this year, doesn't have to look the part. Now, everyone's got an opinion on their fantasy cast list for this film, so we're going to weigh in, too. In the film at the moment, Jim Broadbent is playing Maggie's doting husband, while Richard E. Grant stars as Michael Heseltine. That's got to be all about the hair, I think. Anthony Head is going to be Geoffrey Howe. Some debate whether he'll be as good as the slug on Spitting Image back in the 1980s. So, Richard, other figures from that period that perhaps you'd like to see in the film, actors to play them?
2: Oh, crikey. Well, I would like to have seen Celia Imrie as as Maggie, actually, rather than um, than Streep. Although I think she'll do she'll be brilliant since she'll be brilliant she, she'll she, wows with the accent since she me. was a good um, Anna Winter, there's no reason why she shouldn't be a good Maggie Thatcher as well um can't they get a sheep for Geoffrey Howe The dead sheep <laughs> they would have to have a
1: dead sheep in the middle of the table who else there has been I think rather um irreverent talk of Brad Pitt for Arthur Scargill and George <laughs> Clooney as Sir Bernardingham I think these are off the
3: pace who would you put in there Sam I'd like to see someone like Jack Black as Lawson Oh, yeah. A comic he's got turn, the build. And he's got the sort of build, yeah, he sprung to mind immediately. <laughs> and of course it puts everyone in mind of the spoof they did for the, the comic strip did in the eighties where you know, ironically, they did the, the comic strip. You know, Adrian Emerson. Everyone made the show, made a, a film about the making of a film about the miners' strike, in which Meryl, in which I think Jennifer Saunders played Meryl Streep, who was playing Margaret Thatcher. Oh, that's great yeah. recall. That yeah. Is yeah. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and um, one of the other guys played Al Pacino, who was playing, who's supposed to be playing Arthur Scargill. So yeah, it was it's the most. At the time, it was the most absurd spoof parody you could think of, and it's all come true now. Streep actually is Thatcher. So. It, we can't be surprised if Pacino turns up as Scar. There is a there.
1: shortage, it seems to me, of ginger actors, which we need for Neil Kinnock, so I want you to think about somebody for him, but Miranda, who else you would you be slight putting You have ginger tint. Well, I'm not an actor, <laughs> that, I mean I would like you to, um, you know, note I that really,
0: I really, I really have to say that um, although Meryl Streep has got Mrs. Thatcher's um, kind of patronising expression, unbelievably, I mean, you yeah. know on that then that photo it was it was st- it's kind of astonishing, and also that weird sexiness that kind of makes your, <laughs> makes your skin go a bit funny. <laughs> I would have liked to see I've seen her played by a drag queen, I have to say. So I should <laughs> think it should have been a bloke playing her. You know how these days a lot of drag queens, they don't bother to kind of look exactly like a woman. They quite often have got beards mm. and, and um, you know show that they're a man at the same time as being highly camp. I would really, really have liked but that. But that would be
1: making a very big point, that she yeah. wasn't really, she was all man. And she wasn't but that's, really I no, think, I mean, what's, that's what's what's That would have been very controversial from a feminist point of view, I would say I suggest. suppose
0: so, but what I think is interesting about, as I quite often find most interesting about a, a man, is his feminine side, and what's most interesting about a woman is the masculine side. And the interesting thing about her is her sexiness comes from a masculine version of femininity, I think, so.
1: I'm interested at this this point that you were making, Sam, as well, about the uh, idea it seemed ludicrous to imagine Hollywood film stars in the middle of the 80s playing these figures, and yet now it seems actually natural, that Margaret Thatcher is such a big figure, it has to be somebody of the stature of Meryl Streep to play her i mean normally we used to have big films about american politicians nixon oliver stone's done nixon and and george w bush and the jfk films and everything it is quite interesting this is the thing about britain doesn't it that it's most of our politicians wouldn't be big enough for this street
0: could you imagine someone doing blair though i mean because he kind of presided over a very interesting and large time so uh,
3: pierce brosnan played a blair figure in in ghost didn't he Yeah. yeah And uh, the weird
1: thing is, Blair is becoming more and more that figure. I mean, that's what's interesting there. Well, Robert Harris wrote that It's hardly novel. surprising.
2: He's seen Piers Brosnan being the be mm. idealised version of him, so he's going to aspire he's he's going to that. Certainly
3: he's got himself in better shape. He looks more Hollywood. Uh, all the all the those idea of that film is that, the, that Blair
1: is this former prime minister, permanently tanned, who's constantly travelling the world in a private jet, and he has become that mm. figure. And it's a, just an interesting thing. But you can't imagine, for example, or could you, Gordon Brown the movie? Is anyone going to do that?
3: I don't uh, think. I mean, the thing is, everyone got excited by this Thatcher thing. Street Thatcher, Because in our parochial mindset, we're kind of excited that America are aware enough of one of our public figures to make a film and get one of their biggest Hollywood stars. We find that so thrilling, you know, but really it's Blair and Thatcher and of course Churchill, who's been done many times before, they're, they're the only three that Americans will have any idea of. Gordon Brown, no one's heard of Gordon Brown. It's a Brown. great
1: test, actually, isn't it? Of How big a figure are you pr- as a Prime Minister? Mm. Will you get the Hollywood treatment? And it's true. Three from the post-war era. I just
0: to me, really which is just really awful, had is I had to file a piece. Um, I had to interview Gordon Brown in the final, very final week of his, you know, before the election, and I was doing it for the Mirror, so I w- dutifully went off, interviewed him, and then you have to find it very quickly. It's a daily paper. So I went into, I had to file it in Starbucks, and all <laughs> My, all my connection went down, and I had to ask this American guy, could I use his computer, you know, dongle it over? Yeah. And he said... He said, "Yeah, no problem." Looked at the title of it, and it said Gordon Brown, and he went, "Who's that?"
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I and I thought, oh, no,
0: that's just terrible. Gordon You're Brown done Brown for." The movie would be
2: up there with, do you remember Bernardo the musical, which lasted
0: about <laughs>
2: lasted <laughs> yeah. about two days? Yeah,
1: <laughs> it really would. It's, it's a shame, I, even though I think it's psychologically, perhaps the most interesting yeah. person to inhabit that office yeah. for a very long time, but not quite movie material. I can material. see
3: Anthony Hopkins doing a great, sensitive, kind of complex rendition of Gordon Brown, and no one say because he's already played a psychopath before. Yeah. (laughs) All right, before
1: we go, you'll have seen this week that poor old Christina Aguilera fluffed her lines to the Star Spangled Banner ahead of the Super Bowl. So with that in mind, panel, please leave us with your best misheard song lyrics. And don't worry, unlike Christina, we don't have an audience of 111 million people to laugh at your error. So a misheard song lyric, Richard.
2: Well, uh, it would have to be Herman, Herman's Hermit's She's a Must to Avoid, which always sounds like she's a muscular boy
3: <laughs> to me. I can't get that out of my head. Whenever. <laughs> well, My mother is it. the world expert at mishearing and miss singing lyrics. And when we were younger, when she got herself into a rage around the house, because she, she had four sons who so she raised alone and was kind of always in an in, an state of rage, and she would express her rage by singing screeching songs to herself right her and she used to sing uh, <laughs> she, <sounds> she, great. <laughs> she used to sing uh, the village peoples in the Navy, but she would sing "Sexy lady, <laughs> you can sail the seven seas) <laughs> Which is absolutely bizarre (laughs) It's slightly (laughs) reversing the meaning, I think Yeah, absolutely Completely misunderstood
0: that song song on every level (laughs) (laughs) Well, I still don't know what these lyrics are Which is, um, uh, it's Aretha Franklin, Respect And in the middle she goes, R-E-S-P-E-C-T And then she goes, something like, I think have some tcp. T-C-P. No, yeah. It is, but is it is, isn't it? Take what, some tcp. I thought Yeah, sort of but <laughs> what is that I mean as for as I'm concerned tcp is some, you know, T- it's like mild dettol, isn't it? Yeah, I think that you it had with as if you know,
3: to disinfect the wounds to her the metaphorical wounds to, to her, her heart. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, and the other one is, uh, mm. which is well known is um, uh, Robert Palmer which is um, you know, it's the one. that's addicted to love. Might as well face it. You're a dick with a glove. <laughs> uh, oh. So you
1: don't want to hear the real one, then? You no. want to go? You don't? You don't want those delusions or illusions? Somebody to be could
2: possibly tell me actually. Whenever I hear uh, the Jacksons, uh, "Don't stop till you get enough," uh, I always think it's "Keep on for the post office." Don't stop till you get enough. Does any, can anybody <laughs> tell me what it really is? No, keep on for the post office. I like that. It's a sort of gentle rural English version of
3: it. <laughs> yeah. Only yeah, one so more so stop now, on the I bus. I totally agree. You don't want to ever find out the real words well, when don't. you've got Got your own little mental you've
0: version
3: you yeah. <laughs> we really should play out with one of those but thank you
1: sam delaney miranda sawyer and richard williams head to our blog at guardian.co.uk slash we review to find links to everything we've just discussed our producer is ben green i'm jonathan friedland thanks for listening
0: for more great downloads go to guardian.co.uk
3: forward slash audio